0: I'm Lindsay Curtis, and this is Her Return, a podcast devoted to women making the journey of returning home to their divinely human, feminine essence. Each episode is an opening up of a real-life topic with experiential techniques and tools to support you on your journey home. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is the beautiful Sheila Kamara Hay. Sheila is the mother of three, a Yale and Columbia trained cultural sociologist and founder of Ecstatic Birth. Sheila empowers women around the globe to understand and honor their feminine flow and locate their fierce feminine power while they birth their babies, their soul's creations and rebirth themselves. As an ecstatic birth advocate and coach, Sheila trains birth practitioners and expectant moms around the world to integrate the most holistic birthing tool, pleasure, in birth support and preparation. Whether you're birthing a baby or your soul's work, birth is a journey to be thoroughly enjoyed rather than endured. Sheila is passionate about reclaiming and honoring birth as a sacred rite of passage, And it is why I personally have worked with her for an expansive, sensual journey and why I invited her into the podcast for this conversation today. Enjoy. Welcome, 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 Sheila. I'm so excited to be sitting together for this discussion today. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Me too. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. An absolute pleasure. So I love to begin often, often as our regular listeners know with presencing, like where you come from and what led you to serving the medicine that you currently do in the world. So I would love to really hear about little Sheila and what her relationship with pleasure actually was as well. Anything that wants to be said.
1: Interesting. I mean, I feel like that's such a big question. So I was born in Iran, which feels like particularly timely right now, since we're having a real feminist uprising there. Um, Mm -hmm. My family had to flee with the Islamic revolution back in 1979. So a lot of times people will say to me, like, what do you remember of life in Iran? And while I do have memories of like, soldiers marching in the streets and homes and places I loved being destroyed, actually the memories that um, are brightest for me are things like like the rose garden at my parents' summer home or uh, going out for lunch with the extended family. I remember um, like snowfall yeah. in Tehran. So it's, it's interesting that you started this way because a lot of these things, like, like in my memory of them, they're very sensuous. They're very mm-hmm. like beautiful, both visually, but also in, you know, like the temperature of the snow or the warmth in my body. There's a, a, there's a very sensuousness to these like early childhood memories.
0: Mm, I absolutely love that. And how true it also is. I find that as well, the clearer and clearer we become inside, that is just what's left when we yeah. look back, is those like deeply pleasurable, joyful experiences. So I love for you, it's always been very like in the body, sensual related.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those early years for sure. I think a lot of my journey in growing up was had to do with like disconnecting from the body and finding safety in my mind and figuring things out, you know, being a foreigner in a country where the language was not my first and having to navigate my way around socializing and school systems. And like, I feel like a lot of what happened past those early days had, and I think this is true for all of us, you know, not just those of us that, you know, switched countries and languages, but I think there was the older I grew, there became more and more of a disconnection between my body and my mind because i was really taught and trained um you know to figure things out mm-hmm. and you know i school was pretty easy for me that was some place where i shined and excelled and so it just kind of became this spiral of like deepening into my mind and there was also a sense of and i think you know we've all had different traumas in our lives related to different things i there was also a sense of like oh, I can be strong by not feeling any of that. So that was like another level of like disconnect from the body. It's like, look how strong I am. Like I can handle it. Like I don't need to feel any of that. And so I think what's really interesting, and I've never thought about it in this way. So thank you for the questions. Um, I think a lot of actually what brought me back to my body was pregnancy and motherhood.
0: Mm. Yes, and it's such a window for so many of us as women to yeah. <laughs> as it is such a such a central experience, right? Um, wow, really potent and incredible uh, swerve. So tell yeah. us then, like what what was it about your pregnancy? Was it your first pregnancy that was like the yeah. spark? Yeah, so you know, I had um,
1: I'd come from this place of, you know, MDs telling me, oh, you, you know, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. You, it'll probably take you a long time to get pregnant. So there was this fundamental, I think, like distrust of my body. And I had the privilege of actually calling in my first pregnancy super consciously, you know, Mm -hmm. that baby came in really easily. And there was this profound feeling of like, oh, wow. Like my body actually works. Right. And not only in the conception But actually, especially in the gestation, right? Because when you're in this phase of gestation, it's like you literally can't do anything other than like eat well and rest well and make sure you feel good. And so it was amazing to me that my body kind of like you know it really connected me to this primal biological being that my body was, and it it was fascinating for me to experience that that my body knew what to do without or with really very little input for me. And so I think that really, um, inspired me to think, well, then I want to experience birth in this way. You know, I really want to feel this biological primal blueprint, like take over in childbirth. Mm. And that, um, That experience actually didn't happen with my first birth. I had a pretty traumatic birth, despite having uh, studied natural childbirth. And I didn't know enough about birthing the medical system, Mm -hmm. even my own biological body. And so I kind of just wished upon a star and didn't have a great experience. And that was a moment of like, bigger, further rift, right? So I felt like my body had failed me. I felt like I didn't actually know anything about, you know, what it was doing. And I went through this period when I was trying to get pregnant with my second child, where I had a series of miscarriages. And then I had one pregnancy that I actually had to terminate. And the whole time it was like kind of going back to that imprint of like, let me show you how strong I am by like disconnecting from the felt sense. Right. Uh So miscarriage, it was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Until I wasn't. Right. And there came this like very profound place of actually I'm not fine and I need to figure out what's quote unquote wrong with me Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: started in with all these doctors and now the doctors are like, bad luck, bad luck. You're fine. You're fine. Started going to like naturopaths and osteopaths, all these like natural modalities, very similar, like, um, you know, a little bit more supportive, but there really wasn't anything there that anybody could support me with. And oddly enough, I had made a list of like, I don't know, like 15 to 20 things that I wanted to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And at the very end of that list was um, Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts, which was a school for pleasure in New York City at the time. Yeah. And I didn't know why it was on the list, but there was something about uh, Regina Shower that compelled me. I'd seen her on like the Conan O'Brien show. and She ended up on this list and she was actually like the last thing left on the list. I was like, All right, I called up two of my girlfriends. I'm like, There's this thing I want to go to. Do you want to check it out with me? So we went, and actually, it was there in the school for pleasure that I learned some really basic fundamental truths like my body has wisdom, my body has a voice. You know, I got really connected to the work of Dr. Christian Northrup there. And when I asked my body, well, what's wrong with me? Like, or what's going on? My body was like, I'm not ready to have a second. I'm still healing from the first. And that was like, wow. You know, that really took me on a very profound emotional journey, Mm -hmm. Um, learning how to tap into pleasure, access pleasure, bring pleasure into my life actually had my body feel safe enough to feel for the first time. Mm -hmm. So it was like all the grief, all the emotional stuff, all everything that I'd kind of been pushing away. I finally felt safe enough to feel it. And on the other side of that was such profound beauty and an ecstasy and like truth and connection with my own being to the point that, you know, when I, checked in and my body felt good and we wanted to get pregnant again. I got pregnant again, you know, with a healthy baby, no problem. But it was this journey, which really hit its peak, uh, after the losses that I had to like figure out, well, what's, what's actually wrong in my psyche. And what was wrong was I was leading my life from that heady place. So my brother and I had been nine years apart and I was like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want such a big age gap between my kids. You know, my son's one now I need to have another kid. And I was really <laughs> guiding my journey from this heady place. Right. Right. <laughs> I have no idea about, well, what about me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about my body? How do I actually feel like those weren't even considerations? It was just this like mental strategy game that was happening. Mm. And so this was the thing that actually had me learn that there's a deep, profound wisdom and connection to your inner truth that your body, once you're connected to your body, once you allow um, your body to feel and feel pleasure and receive pleasure that can really guide you in a life that's way more aligned with your, with your inner truth than just that headspace.
0: Mm. Yes. Wow. What, what feels so real for me is just how Pleasures underneath it all. And when we do allow ourselves to go down to our knees and feel everything that is there to feel, it's just the pleasure wraps and it's only then that we can really be guided by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think
1: that's a really profound point because mm-hmm. I think that culturally, societally, our patterns are, we don't want to feel the hard and scary things. Soldier on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no pain, no gain. Yeah, um, we don't want to, you know. And we have all kinds of numbing patterns mm-hmm. that we see. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we connect to societally from like Netflix to alcohol to whatever sugar to <laughs> whatever it is mm-hmm. for you. We all like have some version of that checking out and that numbing. And it, and I think the piece that I really want to bring forward. Is It can feel really scary to allow yourself to go into those sha- shadowy, darker places. But when you, um, I feel like it, it almost feels trite to say, when you allow yourself to feel enough pleasure, it brings safety, but that's really what it is. It's almost like, how much can you support yourself, your being, your body with these positive sensations So that the negative, quote unquote, again, because there is really no negative, isn't as scary. So it's almost like learning to find all that good so that you can go down into the shadows and know that you can find your way back to the good. Mm -hmm. And that I think is like where the alchemy really, really happens.
0: Yes. And I have to name this of like building our container. Like we have to build our container and our capacity to be able to hold that. Mm-hmm. Which is there <laughs> uh, underneath yeah. it all? So, and I love how you say that. And um, so, how do you recommend that we connect with what pleases us? Not what, not what pleases, but what's pleasurable. Yeah.
1: So, in all of the work that I do, whether it's for expected moms or women looking to have more pleasure in their lives, the very baseline where we begin is learning to connect to sensation. Mm-hmm. So, really turning your attention inward and noticing like the nuances of sensation throughout your body, connecting to different body parts. You know, this is going to look like almost like the body scans that you do in yoga classes or things like that, but your consciousness is inside your body. And this is really important because, you know, I would say 99% of the time I'll speak for myself, but I have a feeling it translates to all of us. My consciousness is inside my head right? And my body's kind of this means to move my head from place to place. And if you've ever like skipped a meal because you were too busy, you know exactly what I'm talking about or pushed off going to the bathroom later, I'm in the middle of something, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So the very first step is really learning how to feel. And that's a really um, nourishing and beautiful experience because The more you can connect to your body on a somatic level, you know, at first it might feel like a whole lot of empty space, or I'm not sure, or, you know, maybe it's more, uh, you know, for some people, it's like the intensity that comes up first, oh, this like crick in my hip or my neck or, but once you get beyond kind of that first layer and start to really connect to the subtlety and the nuance that exists within the body, it's such a profound landscape of sensation, but also of information, Mm -hmm. um, which is a little bit different than like information that you would read in a book. It's more like the information of your truth that can guide you. And then, so when you have that, then rather than starting to think your way through decisions, you start to notice that you can feel your way through decisions. So it opens up this whole channel of intuition and when you're moving aligned with your intuition, it just feels so good. <laughs> you no, know? it feels so good. Yeah. Um, so there's that, like that's really like one big piece. And then the other piece, and that's more of like what I call a sensual expansion journey of like really learning how to open your body and orient yourself to pleasure um from within. But the other layer is is like super easy and just think of like giving yourself pleasure right so thinking about i think of it as like accessing pleasure from within so that's what we just talked about and then there's literally just giving yourself pleasure so considering all five of your senses and thinking like how can i delight myself like how can i create like these oases of pleasure whether you're you know a busy new mom or a business person or you know navigating like your soul's path in some other way like all of our pathways have you know, those expansions and contractions, what I call the labor of intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, You have that in physical childbirth, but you have that in whatever you're birthing, your your dreams, your desires, your business, your relationship. You're always going to have kind of those waves of like expansion and contraction. And rather than looking at the contractions and going like, eek, no, I don't, I'm not, I must be doing it wrong, which a lot of women will do. There's something wrong with me. Why am I hitting a contraction? Um, understanding that actually the contractions are part of the journey is really powerful. And then bringing in like the pleasure, like the five senses reality of pleasure into those moments can actually help your body relax. So rather than dissociate from those contractive moments, you can flow through to the other side much more easily. So what actually happens like if you have some kind of drama come up on your journey, and you feel like, Oh my gosh, that feels intense. It's what happens on a physical level is your body will clench up, it'll tighten and you'll be restricting your blood flow, you'll be restricting your oxygen flow, you'll be restricting your energy flow. And then to move through to what to where you want to be, it takes so much more effort because you don't have that, you know, like you don't have you have you're working against your body. But when you actually bring in pleasure pleasure helps your body relax it puts you into that parasympathetic nervous system that calm and connect that oxytocin flow helps you feel more grounded more centered even if it's something as simple as like listening to a piece of music that you like or seeing the changing autumn leaves or right so like really thinking about and these things will be different for everybody but what are those things that really delight you and in the delight there's a level of somatic support that's really really potent
0: Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I'm just seeing myself in a bathtub and I have the (laughs) image flash um, of a a client um, pretty recently who, I think she loved to swing on swings. So she would go and like have the central experience of like the wind in her hair and the joy and the, and how like, it's these, it's exactly these like really like practical things with our bodies to get us into that space. I love that. What example. is it for you? What, what is some of your favorites? Like, Well,
1: before I share my favorites, I just want to reflect back that that example is so beautiful because. I mean, I could feel the delight of being in the swing and feeling the wind in my hair. And so the question I kind of want to pose to everybody listening is the last time that you felt stressed, mm-hmm. like how possible did that feel for you to go sit on a swing if that's your thing and feel the wind blowing in your hair? So like most of us would be like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. <yet."> no, like, <laughs> I'm busy, right? So, um, so true. I, I love that example because it really shows our like our own how we can be at odds with our own process. So, I love that you asked me that. What are the things for me? Nature is a really really big part of that. A lot of times just going outside and similarly, like I live in a beautiful spot in nature where we see sunrises and moonrises and there's, you know, hawks that are carrying fish in their hands. So, a lot of times for me in the middle of the day, I will go outside and just literally like soak in the beauty of the natural world and let myself receive that. That's a mm-hmm. really big one. Playing with my dog is like pure <laughs> deliciousness. Like throwing a ball back and forth for her because she's such a goofball, and and that just brings me into a state of like childlike play mm-hmm. that I really love. Mm-hmm. So those are um, those are two. And then I also you know a lot of the work I do surrounds like sensual pleasure, orgasmic expansion, and um, So for me, like sensuality is like a really, really big piece. I do a lot of like body practices to nourish my sensual and sexual self. And that's a big part of my process as well.
0: Mm, Yes. And I I actually wanted to ask as well, like what is, people ask me this sometimes of like, what is my personal practice? Mm. And so like, it's a really good question. So I'm throwing it back to you. (laughs) What is your, (laughs) what is your personal practice?
1: You know, years ago. I heard Danielle LaPorte ask this question and she answered it in the most like brilliant, beautiful way. And she's like, you know, I change every day and my body requires different things every day. And when I heard her say that, I was like, yes, permission, Mm -hmm. (laughs) permission to flow. So I have a few different things. Not everything is every day. A lot of things I feel into the aligned process. I do try to get up every day with a sense of intentionality and I do try to move my body every day physically because I find that really helps my energy flow. Beyond that, I have a whole range of sensual expansion practices that um, I offer myself in the morning. See, a lot of the work I do is with women that are preparing for childbirth or birth practitioners that are supporting women in childbirth. So I have a series of practices that I share with them to help them connect to their oxytocin flow and their pleasure. And these are like visualization, breath, sound, movement, as well as like some you know more sensual, sexual expansive tools. And the beautiful thing about these tools is you can access them once you've been practicing in five minutes and under. Yeah. So, those are <laughs> a staple in my day to day. And I like just really like to celebrate myself because it's such an integral part of my work that either I'm giving it to myself or I'm giving it to myself through giving it to clients. So, that's a really, really big part of my own um, pleasure practice. And thinking back, I remember when I first began, I took a course by Saida Desole, who's a fabulous, fabulous teacher in the Taoist lineage and JDAG tradition. And the course was so good that I could never finish it. <laughs> I know that sounds, like, <laughs> that sounds like contrary, but once you start really following the thread of pleasure, you start to realize actually how limited your capacity is and how consciously you have to work to expand your capacity to receive pleasure. And so after taking her course a couple of years in a row, the third year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to offer this course to my community and lead sort of like a sensual expansion study circle around it. Mm. So I knew that if I was holding space for the people that were doing this course with me, you know, I was, an affi- I was an affiliate, so I was offering this as a as a layer on top of her course. Then I knew I could actually make it to the end of the course, and that's what happened. I ended up, I ended up like holding that study circle for three or four years in a row. Yes, in service to everybody else, but actually, first and foremost, in service to me.
0: Yeah, um,
1: and I've really found that to be like a profound game changer. And I share this with all of my, you know, birth practitioner clients and people that are in those initial stages of like really expanding their business. It's like, well, what do you need the most and how can you offer that so that you receive that nourishment back to you?
0: (laughs) Mm, I love it. And there is such a, such a level also of accountability and mm. for so many of us that, yes, value our integrity in the way that we work, that if we are offering it necessarily, we'll create more space for ourselves to be available to it. So I love that little trick you did there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, you know, I, I continue, like I, um, I run this year long training for birth practitioners called the ecstatic birth practitioner training mm-hmm. And one year. I think it was actually the year the pandemic hit. <clears throat> I felt like my body needed so much more nourishment. So I just gifted everyone. I'm like, I'm going to be hosting uh, weekly live body practices Monday mornings. Let's do this together. And it was such a game changer. It was a game changer for me. Like I was making sure I was getting the nourishment I needed at the start of every week. And so did they, and a lot of them at the other side were like, wow, like these practices were, uh, and the, I mean, and the community and the work and all of that. But like, this was key to me getting through this intense experience of lockdown and the pandemic Mm -hmm. in a way that felt like really good and nourishing to my body, as opposed to like spiraling into all the fear around us and all the contractive uh, energy.
0: Mm, Coming back home to that body. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. So I keep doing that. Like I, every program I run, I always think about like, what's the nourishment that I need. And that has helped me actually expand my business in so many beautiful ways, because I'm always layering more and more like goodness and what I offer.
0: I love that. That's such yeah. a great model. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, on the podcast, let's see. We've actually also heard your name twice on the podcast. I think it was mentioned in episode number 20 with Nisha Gill, who, uh, has studied with you and as well as, uh, episode number 16 with Alila, uh, Rose Grace and, um, I believe that they both have, have studied with the ecstatic birth practitioner training. Tell us a little bit more about ecstatic birth, because we touched a little bit on your journey and opening up to the possibilities of that, but have you experienced an ecstatic birth?
1: Yes. So part of um, that, like reclamation, that reconnection with my body um, had a lot to do with when I did get pregnant again, the second time, I knew there was no way I was going to give birth the way I gave birth the first time. So mm-hmm. I really dove deep into birth education, learning about, you know, ideal outcomes, best practices, um, which unfortunately is not what our medical model offers. So the second time around I birthed in a birthing center with a midwife, with a doula um, and had a beautiful, like I was laboring in water, had this, it was intense, but um it was exactly the sort of experience I needed. And when it came to pushing her out, you know, the first birth I did end up having an epidural. And so this birth, as she was descending down the birth canal, I could feel her head. Like I could, and it was Mm -hmm. fascinating because I hadn't felt that the first time. And I, as I was feeling the sensation of her head descending, I felt my vulva sort of expand and contract almost like in an orgasmic ripple. And in that moment, I was like, Oh my God, it's true. Like because at that time, this was now she's 16. So this was 16 years Mm -hmm. ago. There was, Mm -hmm. there wasn't much on the internet about pleasurable birth or, and the internet was so different. um, Yeah. There really wasn't much, the the most I learned about ecstatic birth would there be like one line in these 300 page books that said some women experience heightened states of bliss, ecstasy, and orgasm when they give birth. So, you know, basking in the afterglow of my second birth, Mm -hmm. I knew this was possible. And so when I got pregnant with my third, I wanted to explore that more. Mm -hmm. So I had this incredible postpartum ecstatic pleasure, but I couldn't say truly in my second birth that I actually enjoyed labor. Like labor was pretty intense, right? So I wanted to explore, like, is that even possible? Like, is it even possible to enjoy labor as -hmm. opposed to just like enjoying the aftermath of it all? Yeah. Um, And one of the things I realized, having been immersed both in the world of natural birth and in the world of pleasure, was that the tools and practices that you use to navigate ch- the intensity in childbirth and the tools and practices that you use to f- learn to orgasm, learn to have multiple orgasms, learn to be in an omni-orgasmic state, they were one and the same. You're looking at breath, sound, visualization, movement. And so I thought, okay, this is how I'll prepare for my third birth. I used all these tools of um, orgasmic and sensual expansion. To prepare for my third birth. And really what that did for me was deeply connect me to my body, deeply connect me to my sensations, help me follow the impulse towards what feels good. And then I had um, these practices that really helped engorge my tissues, expand my sexual energy, which created flow uh, and pleasure in birth. So yeah, my third birth took me higher than I've ever been in my life, Mm. took me to realms like beyond what I had even conceived of, Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even uh, like orgasmic in the traditional sense. I would say it was more like a ex- ecstatic expansion. And afterwards, I was just like, "Why didn't I know? <laughs> why don't women know?" Like th- Like oh. it really got me so emotional. Like, yeah. why did like here I was? I was preparing for pleasure and birth, and what I actually experienced was beyond my realm of conception. So I started sharing with women that were just like me, and then after a few years started noticing all these practitioners coming into my programs, midwives, doulas, childbirth educators, all kinds of, you know, perinatal professionals. And I'd be like, I don't get it. Why are you here? Don't you learn this stuff in your professional certifications? And they said, no, we want to learn this. I'm like, well, if people don't have the practitioners that have these tools, it becomes really, really hard if you're training in a modality to have the outcome that you want. And so I kind of opened up and I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's start. I'll just start training practitioners. So I really, the way I see my work is bringing sexuality and pleasure into the world of childbirth, because really childbirth is a part of female sexuality, even though we don't treat it that way, we should, it's really sacred. And it is the culmination of the sexual act.
0: Definitely. And it's like the literally most engorged (laughs) we could ever (laughs) possibly be it's the most active our womb is ever going to be regardless of how it is we birth like there's such an incredible potency that we can touch i love how how you've brought this and continue to bring this to the world thank you so much your work is so important (laughs) really 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 and it brings me to as well like the importance of pleasure and ecstasy of course always but the real importance of pleasure in early motherhood too Mm -hmm. and in motherhood itself like the whole journey (laughs) but especially I feel like early motherhood and as a sense of nourishment what can you say to us that are in our mer- early motherhood journey with kids under five? Like, how do you see the relationship with pleasure in your work for moms? I think early motherhood, if you don't have an
1: orientation towards pleasure at all, can feel so overwhelming and mm-hmm. so depleting. Um, and to be honest, I think we're trained to like give it all to the kids. I mean, in service to the next generation, However, it's it's sort of like what I was talking about with my business earlier. It's like if all you're doing is giving out but not receiving, that's leading you somewhere like not very good. So you have to start thinking about like how do I get the nourishment that I want so I can give the love and care I want to my kids, and then get back the nourishment that I want. So how do you start to create that loop? And I think the disconnect uh, for many in early motherhood is pleasure. And by pleasure, I don't necessarily mean like take a night off and go out with your girlfriends, though, that is certainly like a very potent and nourishing form of pleasure. But I mean, more like the orientation, like within your own body, because in early motherhood, it's really hard to find big gaps of time all to yourself. Um, And so the more that the language of pleasure or your orientation to pleasure is available to you, the more you can find nourishment in the, like more mundane every day, like the smell of your baby's head or like singing in the bathtub together or things like that. Um, And this is something that when I see women coming in and training for birth, bringing in these tools of pleasure, like I said, most of my practices can be done in under five minutes, but actually when you get good at them, uh, I train people to move through the day with them, right? So you ha- you have these like nourishing, delicious practices. You have your breath with you everywhere you go. You have your attention and awareness with you everywhere you go. You have your pussy. Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? You can you say pussy, 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 pussy. You. pussy. <laughs> everywhere you go, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it doesn't actually take a ton of money or a ton of time it's more about the orientation. So my invitation to new moms would be to start exploring this for yourself. I do have um, actually a free resource. Maybe I can share the link with you, Lindsay. Yes. 3 day experience I call pleasure rebirth, which is about like rebirthing your consciousness in the paradigm of pleasure. Um, and it's really, you'll see like, it doesn't actually take that much. What it is, is a practice though, because our whole life we've been kind of moving through in one way. And so to start to move through in a different way, it does take practice, but it's not practice that you need to like go to Bali for a week and separate from your family in order to reorient. You can do that mm-hmm. in your day. So benefits for new moms is you go out, you can, you come back into that, like parasympathetic nervous system, right? Like that calm, that connect, that groundedness, as opposed to that fight or flight stress, which When you have a lot going on, young kids running around, lots of things you have to do, it can be very easy to have that be your baseline. And that is extremely depleting to your body and to your nervous system. So this is a really powerful way to reorient, get yourself like more energy and just up level your level of joy.
0: Yes. And then therefore, exactly as we said before, that's then what you're able to give and to hold for the space of your family, which yes. is often what's so, you know, it's so important to, to us generous hearted women that just want to give the best, which is why a lot uh, over give, <laughs> yeah. but the more we stop and we refill that cup, then, you know, the, the overflowing cup and the fountain that continues, continues to nourish. Can I give you a funny example Mm
1: of like how I used pleasure? So remember I said, like, you can also just pull in pleasure from all your five senses. Yeah, I had one child who, when she was like a toddler, was extremely, extremely, um, like, she was so sensitive. Like everything hit her hard, right? So Mm -hmm. there were a lot of tantrums. There was a lot of intensity. There was a lot of, and she's a toddler, like poor thing. And I could see like the world was just a lot for her, but her like roller coaster ride was a lot for me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It was a
1: lot for me to like hold space for it, a handle to stay calm through. She looked so freaking cute in pigtails, like literally like her cheeks would puff out. So one of the things I did was I would make sure to put her in pigtails because I could just by looking at her, like, like that just gave me so much pleasure in like the sensuous, like looking at her and visually taking in the sight of her that, that, made me feel like I was able to be even more like compassionate and present and loving for her. Mm -hmm. So that's like one example. Another example, I had a child who hated, 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 hated baths. Like literally every bath time was a tantrum, a flail. Like it was like a wrestling, like it was insane. I started to notice that she, um, if I, if we were singing, she did a tantrum. So we started to like sing and I would sing like some of my favorite songs and it became, it was a great way to turn it around. So these are just some really like concrete ways, but when you have the orientation, then you start to look for those, those ins in your mothering.
0: Yes. I love that. And also how you're involving in these examples, at least you're involving your child and it's very much like the altar of mothering can bring you into this deeper pleasure within your own experience.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. my two, my second and third were only 14 months apart. It oh, was my, my third was I call her like my happiest surprise. So they were only 14 months apart, and there was this period of time I just did not know how to navigate like the day to day until I realized I lived in New York City at the time. I was like, oh. I can put them in the stroller and go through walks in the park and we can go by the boathouse and the boathouse had like hot chocolate or chicken soup or whatever. And so that became part of like our wintertime ritual. And I still have like such beautiful memories of like the snow in the park and the two girls and like the, the cozy, like hot chocolate or chicken soup on the other side. So there's so many opportunities for pleasure and yeah. Like you presence, it doesn't have to be separate from your kid. It's, but it's really like an inside job, a reorientation within yourself, because, you know, you never get everything done. You know, I have a college age kid now and he's like, I just need to get through this. I have to get through that. I'm like, honey, you're like, once you get through something, there will be something else. Like you can't have all of your focus on it and attention on like getting through the thing because there'll always be something else that comes up. I think especially early motherhood, man, like there's, it's, it's a marathon.
0: Yeah. 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 And, um, I can remember really specifically, um, last year having all these moments and opportunities of having a choice point of like, okay, my son was sleeping. And right now I could do the dishes. I could fold the laundry or I could go hold my pussy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, what are you going to choose right now? Or I could do that. Or I could do breath work, or I could just lay down on the ground and feel the earth underneath me and like recognize that I'm alive. And we are filled with these choice points throughout the, the day. So the More quickly, I feel as well that we integrate these practices of orientating towards pleasure, even well before motherhood, if that is part of the plan. And if it's not part of the plan, you can always do it like the quicker. I feel like in life we get to orient to how can I be nourished and how does that feel really delicious in my body? Oh, how much more peaceful and spacious it can all be. And it's still going to be intense, like. Childbirth is still going to be intense and it can be absolutely ecstatic and orgasmic through the intensity, but it's gonna be. And I love that with the the your, your son there with all the things to do. Like we're always gonna have something to do. So how can we pause and, and receive while we do it? Exactly. I think it's really uh,
1: it's a really big thing to realize when you're in a contractive moment, whether that's in childbirth or in your life, that it's not that you did anything wrong or like you're not doing it right or you chose the wrong path, but actually that is part of the flow of labor. Like that is, you know, we learn that from childbirth. We see that in nature. There's always like a constant expansion and contraction. We see that in orgasm too. I mean, what's a pussy doing in the tours of orgasming? She's like expanding and contracting, right? Mm-hmm. So the, as soon as we start to like stop beating ourselves up for like those contracted moments and just know that they'll come, and how do you support yourself through them? It's kind of like, you know, like people like to equate birth to like climbing a mountain. Well, you're not going <laughs> to climb the mountain without like snacks and good music. And right. Yeah. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to feel really great when you get to the top of the mountain, but there's going to be points where you're tired. It feels hard. Yeah, and how funny. do you sustain yourself through that? Mm. So similarly, I mean,
0: life is, is the same, same mm. journey. <laughs> and then we come down the mountain. <laughs>
1: come down the mountain
0: (laughs) and it starts all over again everybody wants to stay up at the top but uh, (laughs) gotta come back Uh, down (laughs) so good um let's see I recently did a podcast episode number 43 all about orgasm and I talked about lots of different um orgasmic experiences and it brought me to the question today do you have a favorite orgasmic experience you mean in general or in specific, like whichever one you want to tell.
1: <laughs> that's a really big question. Do I have mm-hmm. a favorite orgasmic experience? What's the first I thing that's almost a dangerous you? question? Because, <laughs> because once you start to say like, I want that, like it becomes hard, like you're goal oriented and then you become like becomes elusive.
0: Um, it doesn't so have to I, be something that you're projecting forward. It can be, it's more like an experience that you've had. Oh
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. So many, which mm-hmm. one? I think one of my favorite and most kind of like wild orgasmic experiences. Um, I was having like a really slow, sensuous sex with my partner. And um I have noticed and this has been really beautiful to open up to the more loving I feel the more full bodied my orgasms are. Mm-hmm. Um but in that moment all of my attention and awareness was around my cervix. Mm. And I had this experience of my cervix literally coming down and grabbing the tip of his penis mm. and orgasming in unison like that. And that was wild. That was yes. so incredible and so delicious and so surprising because I'd never had, I'd, I'd never had that sensation before of my cervix being anything other than receptive. She was being active in that. And that was like,
0: Whoa! wow. <laughs> so oh, and what a cre- incredible attunement to be able to perceive like with such great presence, this experience.
1: Yeah. I love yeah.
0: that. Thank you but for telling. <laughs> you're welcome. And I I it's making me want to go
1: back and listen to that podcast episode of yours because it's so fun. I don't think we talk about these things nearly enough.
0: <laughs> no, we don't. I really, I really believe that we don't. And just the capacity that we're able to have orgasms in such different ways and places mm. and and experiences within our bodies. What yeah. a treasure
1: yeah for sure for sure so beautiful and so sacred and so um so nourishing you know when when you can have these kind of like really deep profound connected orgasmic experiences like I don't know about you I feel fed for days if not weeks
0: yes 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 as well very long (laughs) my partner doesn't seem to feel as fed as often so he's hungry more (laughs) quickly (laughs) Yeah. So good. So good. And um, let's see, anything else? Well, I didn't, I guess I didn't say it. I was gonna say it in our intro, and I probably did say it in our intro already, but um we worked together last year and I had such a great time going on a journey with you for my own sensual, what do you call it? Sensual expansion, sensual
1: expansion, yeah. Yeah,
0: my own sexual, sensual love making expansion with myself. And it was such a gift to give myself an early motherhood as well. My son was like eight, nine months. And I was like, Hey, let me just devote this time space to really connecting with my body. And my intention was to be very physical and it was so fun. And so I also just want to express my love and gratitude for that because it set me in a wonderful continuing pathway with my own embodied journey. So thank you.
1: Amazing. And I really want to celebrate what a badass you are, because I think it can be really hard in the midst of like early motherhood to be like, I'm going to focus on my body and my pleasure and that you did that and you went for it and that you can really, um, you've really been receiving the gifts of that is a testament to like, you're you're a true visionary.
0: Mm, Thank you. Well, walking in your footsteps, so... (laughs) We walk arm in arm, hand in hand on the journey, as with every single person listening here. Mm -hmm, Definitely. We're all in this together. Yeah. Beautiful. If you feel into it right now, Sheila, is there a last bit of goodness you would like to leave us with?
1: You know, the only thing I didn't really presence that I would love to, because I know um, I have a feeling knowing you that you're... Listeners are really all about like listening to the wisdom of their body and their womb. And maybe some of you all are um, really into cyclical living where you're, you know, following the flow of your cycles and aligning your energy with where you are in your cycle. Um, One of the things that I'm super passionate about, I, I love, I love the whole framework and I think it can be really beautiful when you're following kind of that cyclical living mindset, of, you know, similar to when you're in an ovulatory phase and you're shining and outward and whereas when you might be like more luteal and feeling more inward, well, when you know that when you're luteal, you can be kind to yourself. You can Mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself. You can allow yourself to do less or go inward or, you know, go into more meditative places. You're really honoring your own flow. And so what I would love to layer on top of that as an invitation to all of you is that, Um, there's also a flow to creation. There's also a way that we go from, um, you know, desire, whether you're desiring to bring in a new soul or you're desiring to birth a business, to conception, to gestation through the phases of labor. And it can be in the same way that learning about cyclical living can be really, really healing to you in terms of like how you hold yourself and you know, love yourself through those like crunchy spots, Mm
0: -hmm. learning
1: about the flow, I call it the feminine flow of creation can be really, really uh, incredible. So that when you hit those spots in your labor or in the pushing phase, and so what we do is we use birth as kind of the underlying blueprint for creation, that the process of like conceiving and gestation and pregnancy, birth and postpartum, there's so much wisdom in each of those stages that in ecstatic birth, we talk about, well, this is the way it's usually done. And this is why it's painful, but actually here's your underlying design. Here's how you support yourself with pleasure. Um, So I guess the invitation that I wanna offer to everybody listening is to learn more about the feminine flow of creation as it relates to what you're creating in your life. So whether you're birthing children or you're birthing a business or a relationship or, you know, like a long held desire, that it actually follows the same pattern as birth and the same places that feel crunchy and physical childbirth can also feel crunchy when we're on our pathways. And I've worked with so many women who once they know the pattern, it's like, oh, it's not me. This Mm -hmm. this, This is this stage. This is okay. I just need to like reorient to support myself through this stage. And it becomes so much easier, so much more pleasurable. And that possibility of like ecstatic birth can can expand out into all your realms of creation.
0: Mm. Yes, I love this so, mm-hmm. so much. And it just like sums up, I feel it so many parts of our conversation today about how we can hold ourselves and nourish through the crunchy bits. Yes. And it's first like knowing the template. Knowing the spiraling pathway that we're walking on helps us orient. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful, Sheila. Thank you so much for being here and all the beautiful, amazing work that you do in the world. Tell us where we can connect with you. Where are you most present?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you and the amazing work that you're doing in the world and for, you know, really amplifying all of our voices in this new paradigm. So you can find me online at ecstatic-birth.com and uh, pretty much on most social media handles, but most especially Facebook and Instagram under the handle ecstaticbirth. I also have a YouTube channel where I do post some videos of classes and trainings and that's under my name, Sheila Kamara Hay. So you can find me in any of those places. And my email is sheila at
0: ecstatic-birth.com. Beautiful. And I'll put links uh, in the show notes. You can just click through and thank you you so much
1: goodness. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much.
0: I'm Lindsay Curtis, and thank you for listening to her return the podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment and write a review for the podcast, wherever you are listening. Written reviews really support getting more listeners to this content, as well as continuing to book powerfully inspiring guests. I thank you for your support. Until next time, may you return home to yourself today.